This is December 13th. Uh, we are looking at the last lesson of uh, It's Not What You Think, It's What You Do, Lesson 15, and it's the word believe we'll be looking at today. Uh, let's open in prayer. Father, we do thank you that you have given us your word, that it is a sure word, that we can uh, know that it is uh, unchanging, and we can, uh, we can rest in your promises, that you have, uh, what you have spoken will come to be. Father, we thank you for this, for otherwise, uh, in a shifting and changing world, uh, we would be without a hope. Father, we thank you that you have given us something that does not change, does not shift, that you have given us yourself. As we open your word, we ask that you might teach us how it is that we might believe you. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. And I'll continue. This is from uh, morning service. This is actually weekday service. From your wisdom, O Supreme God, may you imbue me. From your understanding, give me understanding. With your kindness, do gently with me. With your power, cut down my foes and rebels. May you pour goodly oil upon the seven arms of the menorah to cause your good to flow to your creatures. May you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. I will betroth you to me forever, and I will betroth you to me with righteousness, justice, kindness, and mercy. I will betroth you to me with fidelity, and you shall know the Lord. Amen. So this, what I just read from the Shacharit, is actually the process of putting on tefillin, uh, putting on the, uh, um, what, what is in Greek and English called phylacteries for morning prayer, which is done only on weekdays, uh, Sunday through Friday, and not on Shabbat, because it's a sign, and Shabbat is a sign in and of itself. But as, the, as, uh, as we wrap our, um, our longest finger, excuse me, yes, our, uh, actually it's our, yeah, our longest finger, uh, with uh, with, this, with the strap from the tefillin. Actually, it's, it's a ring finger. I, mean, I know you guys thought that this was your ring finger, and it's this that's your ring finger. Um, as you wrap your ring finger uh, with, uh, with the tefillin, uh, you quote, I will betroth you to me forever, and I will betroth you to me with righteousness, justice, kindness, and mercy. I will betroth you to me with fidelity, and you shall know the Lord. And the word fidelity is uh, it's an interesting translation. Actually, when I quote this, I use the word faithfulness because, uh, and even, even that is actually um, is, is, is what I render it because it's the word emunah, faith. Uh, it's the same word as used in Habakkuk 2.4. It's the key verse to the entire Bible. The just shall live by faith. And uh, when we consider this, that, it, that faithfulness God's faithfulness to us and our faithfulness to Him are, it's, it's speaking about a word that is about relationship. Faithfulness. Now, uh, the art scroll, Sadur, uses the word fidelity. And it's a word that in English we usually assign to uh, concepts of marriage or, or uh, at least a bond, a tight bond. I know that uh, a lot of uh, brothers in arms, when they talk about being, uh, um, especially the Marines, right? <laughs> Semper Fidelis. <laughs> Semper Fi, Semper Fidelis. Yeah, the idea of being always faithful to one another as brothers in arms. But that idea of faithfulness, fidelity. In other words, you continue to uh, respond to somebody because of promises or because of, uh, because of the relationship more than anything else. Because of the relationship. So it is a, it is a, uh, it is a 
idea of a marriage relationship, which is exactly what uh, the Apostle Paul drew from when he wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, speaking about uh, uh, Yeshua, Messiah's relationship with his people and relating it to the idea of a man and his wife, uh, or a wife and her husband. Uh, so we have this uh, concept of relationship, of marriage, being brought into this word emunah, which the root word is the verb, as you see on the board here, is aman, or we use the word amen. Yeshua used the word very many times in the Gospels. He said, aman, aman, verily, verily, I say unto you. What he's saying is, believe, believe. Let's read here. It's top Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Genesis 15, 1 and verse 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. There's the reward from... Uh, he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he believed, Amon in the Lord and, it, and he accounted it to him, him for righteousness last week we looked at the word ver, uh, rest we saw that it's a verb seems like it's the absence of doing people take a rest they stop doing things right no it's the opposite in fact we must be diligent to enter his rest as it says in Hebrews being diligent is his rest what is that rest it's practice in this life it's practice for the life of the world to come, where we will rest forever. Will we be without action? Of course not. How foolish. Uh, we will be probably very busy. Um, but the idea of rest is to stop doing the things that you did previously. Uh, we, we, see, we saw that as people prepare for Shabbat in a traditional Shabbat, what do they do? They work like crazy until Friday afternoon and then they stop. Anything that you did Friday, you can't do Saturday. And usually things you do on Shabbat, you don't do the rest of the week. It's like, it's like a change. Uh, I said the tefillin are, are uh, something that men put on Monday or Sunday through Friday. They don't put it on Shabbat. Uh, people do different thing, a different thing, something. You stop and the work that has to be done, if you want to eat on Shabbat, you have to finish before sunset on Friday. So the idea is you have to get it done beforehand. Your work didn't bring it. Shabbat just happens. Your work, your work of righteousness did not bring salvation. That's done for you. But it doesn't mean you don't work at righteousness. It doesn't mean you stop doing good things, right? This week we're looking at the word believe. The problem with the word believe, it's a big problem for us. It's a huge problem for us. A couple reasons why. We use the word believe in our English language, especially in American English, to convey doubt. We do. If someone asks you something, if you're not sure, what do you say? Well, I believe that's true. Right? Uh, someone says, uh, did that, did that uh, man run the stop sign? Man, it was, it was hard to tell because there are a whole lot of people doing a lot of things. But I believe he did. We use the word believe to Im- imply death. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we actually kind of do that same thing. Uh, we, we list things that we believe in as a means of identifying ourselves. Well, do you believe that? Well, yes, I believe that. Well, we're the same then. Right? We, we have a way of communicating a common purpose if we say we believe in something. Well, do you or don't you? Who knows? 
right? Well, belief is actually personal as well. Well, that's your belief. I have my belief. Well, if it's true, isn't it true for everyone? Understand that this word believe is a really a bad word in English. It's a really bad word in English. But let me, con- let me uh, tell you as well that faith, faith is a bad word in English as well. And the reason why is because it's based upon the same misconception. And the misconception is this. What I think in my mind is what matters. After all, we, we might convince somebody by saying, after all, didn't Yeshua, even on the Sermon on the Mount, say, it's not so important what, what you do, it's what you intend to do, right? As a man purposes in his heart, we would quote. As a man purposes in his heart, so is he. Well, if you followed that logic, you would actually say, wait, it is what you think comes out in what you do. And if you don't do, then you don't think. In other words, if you say one thing and think another, or say one thing and think the same thing, but do something different, you don't really believe it. Not the biblical word, belief. Come on. If you really believe something, you do it. So by their fruit, quoting from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, will you know them is exactly what Yeshua was saying. It is true that all that we do comes first from inside us. But if we think that what we say that we believe is what that is, we're, con- we're confused. You can know what you truly believe. By the way, I don't know what I think. Honestly, because I could go in circles. But I do know what I do. I do know what I do. Can you summarize that just a little bit, like... Well, I've got to get going, but we're going to keep, we're going to summarize it by going into the lesson, okay? The word aman, by the way, the word believe, aman is a verb. It's not a noun. Notice that almost all the times when you read, when you read in English, especially in the apostolic scriptures, in what people call the New Testament, it's usually conveyed as a noun. Faith. Well, we're saved by grace through faith. Those are nouns. What's the verb there? Saved. Well, see, God does it and you do nothing. Right? That's what we're saying. God does it, you do nothing. Well, is that true? Well, God certainly is the only one that can save us. But do we do nothing? May it never be. Uh, It is the word, the word aman means to establish, support, uphold, to nourish, and to be carried, such as by a nurse, a baby. It's carried, that's aman. It is the root verb for the word emunah, or faith, and it's translated into English in the word amen, or amen. So when people say amen, what are they saying? I'm, I agree, there's fidelity. What you said is what I would say. In Genesis 15:6 is the first usage, we read that, of the word. And Abraham believed in the Lord and it was counted into his righteousness. That's the first usage. It is the hifil stem. It's perfect mood. The hifil form of this verb, you don't need to memorize this, it is causative and, it mean, and the perfect mood means it's completed action. It means that he was caused to believe. He was, ca- he was caused. There was something to believe in. In other words, it wasn't blind faith. We do that a lot. Well, if I see it, it's not really believing. No, 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 no. This word is the other way around. Abram saw it. What did he see? Well, he had a relationship with God already. 
He saw it and God credited it. He acted upon it. He acted upon what he knew. Not acting upon what he didn't know. That's what a lot of people think. You know, they read from the book of Hebrews and they say, faith, faith, faith is the absence of seeing. So if you see it, it's not really faith. If you know it to be true, for sure, and if it could be proved, that's not faith. No, no, you have to take it on faith. We use that word. No, take this on faith. No, this word is not that way. This is something you can be sure of. Faith, believing, when Abram believes, it was because of something he could take to the bank. Okay? It is not blind faith. And it also shows, because it's causative, it shows, an, it shows a relationship between the object of faith, or believing, and the person believing. In other words, there was a relationship between God and Abram believed God, and God credited him as righteousness. So there's a relationship between them. When it's causative, it means God caused him. God gave him a reason to believe. Do you have a reason to believe? We have a reason to believe. Absolutely. It's not blind faith. Um, it's not just something you have in your mind. And Abraham believed. Oh, yes, that's true. That's, that's the way we talk about believing. Oh, yes, that's true. We can close our eyes and believe. Especially if you close your eyes, you can believe. Right? Close your eyes. Click your heels three times. That is not believing. Believing is a verb. It's not something that just starts, that is just in your mind. It's not intellectual assent. You place, by believing, you place yourself in a relationship and at the mercy of the one whom you're believing of, in. In this case, God. It's the same idea of a baby being in the care of his mother. He doesn't have to think, I don't know. Is mom trustworthy? I'll have to think about that. Or the baby doesn't simply say, I think mom's trustworthy. I'll just take it at that. No, the baby doesn't even think about it. The baby correctly assumes that the mother will care for it. That is believing. That is the basis and the lowest, the foundational understanding of believing is a baby, an infant with its mother. Uh, and that's actually the, the, one of the best uses for the word aman, to be carried by a nurse. Um, go to Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. How many in here know the Apostles' Creed? Which is not the Apostles' Creed, by the way, I have to tell you. If you come from a, if you come from a liturgical background that recognizes the Apostles' Creed as the Apostles' Creed, uh, it's the Nicene Creed. Uh, I believe in... That's right. You, you know, you know that th some of you know it anyway. Uh, that, it's not the Apostles' Creed. I'm sorry. You can't find reference to it. But having said all of that, what is the most important thing about that whole phrase, that whole long spiel you, you, you give? I believe. I believe. I believe. Well, what does that do? Well, it may do something if you really believe it. But how can I know it? Right? The, that whole concept, that creedal concept, by creeds we define ourselves. By creeds, we, uh, we come into, now you may not believe this, but some people say, by creeds, we come into a relationship with God. What's the response of man? Nothing. I just simply say, I believe, and list all these things you believe. Uh, this is the difficulty with this word, because uh, it's hard to put your 
thumb on it, and you know, it's like whack-a-mole. It sticks its head up over here and over there. You can play games, mental games, with the word believe. Believe is a verb, which means it's not just. It doesn't just stop in your head. What does a baby do when it's hungry? Did the cry get its food? Get it food? Would the mother have fed it anyway? Eventually, right? What does the baby think? If I cry, I get food. Right? Is the cry what makes it happen? Is the cry causative? Is the cry a matter of the baby's faithfulness? No, the mother does not depend on the baby. The baby depends on the mother. However, the baby does have a response. The baby make, does things. Right? In that same way, with our relationship with God, he, he doesn't need us to cry for us to have what we need provided. But we do. He doesn't need to know that we have a relationship with Him. He knows that. You can say however many I believes you want, and if you don't have a relationship with Him, He is not responding to you. It's not a matter of what you say. It's what you do. Uh, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says, uh, actually go up to verse I'm going to go all the way up to verse uh, 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, of, uh, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing as I go childless in the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is, is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who shall come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven. Count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he, count, he accounted it to him for righteousness. That's the first usage. And he believed the Lord. What did he believe in? Did he give him a son? Descendants, like the stars. Um, it, it, like we said, it's not, this is not blind faith. Go to Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. This is the, where God reveals his title, El Shaddai. Uh, Genesis chapter 17 verse 1 and Abram was 99 years old the Lord appeared to Abram and here by the way the word Lord is the four letter uh, tetragrammaton the four letter holy name of God Hashem as we refer to it often in, in, in English appeared to Abram and said to him I am almighty God that is actually that's actually not what that says it is El Shaddai uh, and almighty is, that is probably an okay translation, but that's actually not what Shaddai means either. It's okay because we, at least they're consistent in translation. Shaddai is usually translated Almighty. Almighty I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. What is this word El Shaddai? Uh, it, it, it comes from the word Shad, which is, refers to a nursing mother. That's going back to Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Amon and God and, and Abram believed God. That idea of a relationship. He's the baby, as it were, in the picture, and God's, as it were, the one caring for him, nursing him, caring for him. Okay? It's not only protection, it's, it's nourishment, uh, protection, comfort. All of those things are encapsulated in that wonderful picture, and we have a mother and her infant child. Go to uh, actually go to Romans chapter one, chapter four, verse one. 
it seems at times that Paul is in an argument with James, Yaakov. It seems. He's not. But in our Western mind, we read these things and we go, see, James says one thing. He says, faith without works is dead. In other words, saying you believe something and then not doing things that reveal it, reveal that you have no faith, right? Um, and then it seems Paul does the opposite. He kind of like he's arguing against James. Uh, I would strongly disagree with that. And in fact, you need to understand that they're saying exactly the same thing. Uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So, does that mean that Abraham did nothing? What did Abraham do? Go back to Genesis. Go to chapter 18. And go to verse... 17. Did Abraham do nothing? Paul just said that, well, if you work, it's a, it's a debt, right? God owes you. Is that what he said? Genesis 18:17. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. Why will he be? Because God promised it, right? <laughs> and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have known him. And he gives us the reason why he knows him. He has a relationship with him. In order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Well, that seems to indicate that you have to, that, he's, that it's a debt. God owes Abraham. After all, Abraham worked for it, right? It's not at all what it says, is it? Abraham has a relationship with God. Who started the relationship? God did. And it is Abraham's response of love that we're seeing. That is what faithfulness is. It's consistent. Fidelity between your head and your hands. They do the same thing. They think and act in one way. Go to Genesis chapter 26. Abraham did nothing? Is that what Paul's arguing? Certainly not. Paul has the scriptures. He knows that's not true. It, Genesis chapter 26, verse, uh, verse 4. This is God speaking to Isaac, Yitzhak. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. Well, do you remember that? He sold to Abraham that same thing in Genesis chapter 15. Multiply the stars of the heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God's going to be faithful because. Did Abraham earn it? No, the relationship was first established by God. Abraham responded to God's faithfulness by acting faithfully. Go to Galatians chapter 3.
Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore we know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So he's got, well, that's a great name, isn't it? Believing Abraham. Abraham, by the way, try and find it. You'll never find anywhere he goes, I believe. And then list the whole things he believes. How do we know about Abraham? <laughs> Not by his statements of faith, but by his actions and deeds that proved his faith. That's why we know him. Otherwise, you wouldn't know him. You wouldn't know his name. He wouldn't exist. But God, in his faithfulness, started the relationship with Abram. Abraham responded to God because God blessed him. And what we, what we have now is a history of a man that we can call believing Abraham, and we can claim him as father. We can claim him as father. By the way, this is the gospel. What is it? Everybody, everybody has, everyone has an opportunity to share, in the to have a part in the world to come. Everyone has an opportunity, not just the Jew. All, all who trust, all who believe, and. Uh, we know that that word believe is not simply something that is in your head. Go to Genesis, uh, go to Hebrews chapter, actually go to, well I'm skipping around here. Go to Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk 2.4, is that right? I gotta find Habakkuk first. Okay, Habakkuk. Yes, this is right. Actually, the, the it's the last part of the verse that is most quoted. Behold, the proud, his soul is soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. This is quoted many times, actually, in the Apostolic Scriptures. The just shall live by his faith. What is that word? Who is the just? What's, anybody have a different word there in, in their English translation? Righteous. The righteous shall live by... How about... The stead, by their steadfastness? Actually, I like that a lot. Uh, because the word faith, as we see in English, can be misconstrued. Steadfastness is exactly what it means. And it's interesting here because you know what a lot of people say? Tell me what Ephesians tells you. It's by... How are you saved? By faith? Well, very good wow you're saved by grace through faith uh, we are saved by grace through faith that not of yourselves it is a gift of God that's right good well because of that a lot of people say what it's saying is faith is a gift from God that's actually not what it says in Greek and here it doesn't say that either whose faithfulness God actually here it says and the righteous shall live by his faithfulness or his steadfastness. Whose do you think it is? Yours. That's right. Yours. If you trust God, if you're a disciple of Messiah, 
you live by your faithfulness. I know, this is a little bit disconcerting because I'm saved by grace. There's no question that he loved us. The question is, do we love him? That's right. If we love him, we'll keep faithful. That's right. There's no question he loves us. None. Zero. We know that he's faithful. Even the unbeliever knows he's faithful. It's true. Always find when I uh, find myself unfaithful, and you know, just not as faithful as I want to be. That I always have to depend on His faithfulness to make up for it. That's right. Go to Hebrews chapter eleven, verse six. This is the faith chapter. Everything you want to know about faith, but not the noun. A lot of people like to read this, and they pick out the verses they like. There's some good ones here, really good ones. But if you read the whole chapter, it's not about things that you think or things that you say. What is it? In your lesson, you had exercise of talking about a whole lot of things that people did, not what they said, right? Uh, we see by uh, this idea of the faith chapter. Uh, in verse 6 it says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. This is really the way that it works. What is faithfulness? It is, well, first of all, you have to agree. Yeah, you do have to think something. You have to agree, but then you have to act upon it, right? Is the acting different from the... Thinking? No, it's one and the same. It's all part of the same picture. Are you working for it? No. He is the rewarder, right? Do you think that seeking for something is what finds it? No. And this you are believing in Him. Then that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You're not saying, well, it's all about me. And it's what I'm doing. It's my searching somehow is going to find something. By the way, that is what the world says. Searching, as long as it's searching, is good. Finding yourself is something that comes from searching, right? <laughs> you know, the searching. It's the journey and not the destination. You know, all the nice little catchphrases. The bottom line is everybody wants to cop out of doing anything that costs them a nickel in, in, or a, a, a single bead of sweat perspiration. They don't want to do anything unless it's what they want. The minute someone else tells you to do something, you don't want to have anything to do with that. So finding yourself is all about finding your own way, right? I did it my way. But what we see here is in, in it, that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He's the object. He's what we are seeking. I can promise you, people who are truly seeking God, not just trying to find a God, but the God, the Almighty, always find Him. Because He wants to be found. That's what uh, it says in Acts chapter 17. That he places us in time and space with a single purpose that we might seek him because he wants to be found. God is seeking for worshipers, true worshipers. And he's looking everywhere. And, nobody, and it seems that most people are looking the other way. They want to find something that satisfies them as opposed to being what they were created to be. And that is to be... Uh, servants of the living God. In, uh, look, at, look at the list here in, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. Abel, what did he do? He's the first one listed. Isn't that cool? It doesn't start with Matthew. It starts with Abel. 
offered a more excellent sacrifice. God testified to his gifts and a witness of as a witness of righteousness. Is that amazing? Well, how would you like to be in this list? You can be. Enoch. He pleased God and was a testimony. God took him away and he did not see death. Where's, where, what did he believe? Noah. Moved by godly fear, prepared an ark. And he became an heir of righteousness. Abraham. Obeyed when he was called. He went out. He dwelled in tents in a foreign land. Offered Isaac and received an inheritance and received promises. There's one woman here. Actually, there are women listed later as a group, but there's only one woman named by name. It is Sarah, judged him faithful, who promised. In other words, God promised it. He'll do it. It's kind of like goes together. Well, if he promised it, he'll do it. He, and receives strength to conceive. A conception, by the way, which was miraculous. She was... It was impossible for her to conceive. And yes, she did. Lewis. What changed her belief? Because at first she didn't believe it. You see, you see this, is, this is part of the trouble with the word believe. Because believe has, seems like it has to have a beginning. Well, where did I start? When did it happen? What you need to understand is when we read this book of Hebrews, what are we reading? Are we reading a process? No. You're reading something, something punctual. What they did. Time and space. But, it's being, but their whole life is being lumped into that one thing that's being said. But her actions of laughing showed her non-belief. But what did she do later? You see, if we were... Here's, here's my point. If you're out there, if there's a moment in your life that you say, okay, my whole life has to be summed up in this. Boy, would you want to pick the ones that were really low? <laughs> Every one of these people in this list sinned. This is not what they're known for, though. This is, God is the God of second chances, isn't he? <laughs> so we can have both Abraham and Sarah laughed. And so what do they name their child? Laughter. It's got like their own little reminder. Right? But not a sad reminder. A happy reminder. That's right. Well, who knew? I was wrong. Isn't it great? <laughs> and this is the point. God, these people are known for the, for the culmination. What's the big thing of their life? Not the low point of their life. But when they had their low point, they didn't stop trusting God. Maybe they sinned. Maybe you sinned. I've sinned. And at the low point, we don't stop trusting. We get up, we dust ourselves off, and we say, well, I fail, but God never fails. And so he's worthy of following. I may be a failure, but God is not. And he's worthy of my worship, whether I keep failing or not. I'll tell you what, you're going to stop falling as often. The book of 1 John says, he who's, who keeps on sinning, doesn't know God. And it's talking about, that's all that we can say about you, is you keep on sinning. That's all we can say about you. Those people aren't on the list of Hebrews chapter 11. Because they didn't. They stopped. They rose to the occasion. Certainly, it's by God's grace. 
I'm not saying that they did something pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps, but the point is that they didn't stop, which brings back to this word aman. This is, this is a really important part of this word aman. Another great reference for the word aman is actually in, in, in uh, I think it's in Numbers, is it Numbers chapter 17? No, it's uh, Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, where, where, uh, where Moses' arms are being held up, it is that same root being held up, steadfast, made steadfast. Steadied, right? Steadied. Uh, Moses. Here's the thing about Moses. Both Abraham and Moses in the li- his list are told that they knew, and actually in Galatians chapter three rather, are told are told that they knew somehow knew Messiah. They knew the gospel, as it were. How did they know? Moses chose to suffer. He left Egypt. By the way, was that a low point? Pretty low. A murder. Moses is a murderer. Moses, in Numbers chapter 12, is the most humble of all men. No one on earth has ever been as humble as the man Moses. Oh, it certainly didn't look like it early on when he was killing an Egyptian, did it? So, Moses, our teacher, the righteous. Uh, he chose to suffer, left Egypt, he endured, he didn't stop. He kept the Passover, he looked for a reward, and he gained Messiah try and find in this passage. I mean, there's a whole lot of people here. I just love this passage. Romans 11 is so wonderful. Hebrews 11 is wonderful. Is there anybody listed from Matthew on? The book of Matthew. The writer of Hebrews gives us no one of, none of his contemporaries. 100% of these people lived and died before Messiah was ever born. And this is, this is the definition of faith. Faithfulness. What did they know? They knew enough to obey God. They had a relationship with Him. Did they somehow, by the way, this is common belief, somehow they became Christians later. I don't know how. They were held in the bosom of Abraham. This is all, by the way, this is a, this is a myth that is not supported by Scripture. If you hold to that, that's fine, but you're going to have to prove it to me. That somehow, they, that somehow they were held in the bosom of Abraham until they had to make a decision. You know, walk the aisle down there or something. I don't know. No, they were believers all along. That's the key. They were always believers. Always believers. Couldn't we tie ourselves, you, me, and everybody, and the angels, 11, 1? I hope so. That's right. But I would just simply say, evidence of things not seen, and be careful to think that it's blind faith. God has demonstrated himself to be faithful. If you wake up in the morning, if you open your eyes, you know that he has been faithful. Right? It's one of the reasons why the first prayer of every morning is living an eternal king. Thank you for returning my soul to me in compassion. Great is your faithfulness. Before you ever get out of bed, before you ever say Shema, you recognize that you woke up and God was faithful. Right? Go to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We've been quoting it, so we might as well read it. As usual, I'm not going to be finished with this lesson either. No, it's when you first, it's before you get out of bed. Your feet aren't supposed to touch the floor. That's Shukana Ruf. You need to study that. <laughs> Ephesians chapter, you can say it anytime you want. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 8. said, For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast, and don't ever stop there. For we are his workmanship created in Messiah Yeshua for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You don't get credit for the good deeds. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't act. We've been going 15 lessons talking about good deeds, things you should do. You don't get credit for them. It's like, oh yeah, you know, fill that up at the bank. You know, here it is. Look at what I did for you. Well, that's what in, 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 in uh, Matthew chapter 7, that's what the unbelievers do. They come to him and they say, Lord, Lord, look, I did all these things. In your name even. Good things. And he says, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. James chapter 2, verse 14. Yeah, exactly right. You know, it's like, oh, can I have a stone with my name on there? <laughs> James chapter 2. By the way, that's nothing wrong with that. I know you see that a lot. but uh, <laughs> James chapter 2, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 14 says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? By the way, uh, Yaakov here, James, is being facetious. He's, he's playing a little game. He's playing tongue-in-cheek. He's not talking about real faith. He's talking about what you call, some people would call faith. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm, be filled, but do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, it does not have, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And that's, and that's the point that we're making here. It's exactly the point we're making. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Do, but do you want to know, a foolish man, that w- faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? I thought would, See, Paul says, no, he's not. He's not justified by works. Justified by works when he offered his, Isaac his son on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab, the harlot, also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Paul and him are saying the same thing, if we understand what the word faith means. It means that although it starts in your head, it's carried out in what you do. It's carried out in what you do. Uh, I'm going to have to go to Deuteronomy 30, and then we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, We're going to do Deuteronomy 30, and then John 8. Paul quotes this in Romans chapter 10. So this verse before Romans 10, 8 through 11, is quoted in Deuteronomy 30, 11. It's not through 4. <laughs> 11 through 14. Um, it's quoted there. And oftentimes people misquote it when they quote it what, what Paul says in Romans chapter 10. The context is very important to understand. When you read Romans 10, you need to understand the context of Deuteronomy chapter 30. And he's not saying it's a bad thing. He's saying it's a good thing. Here it is. De- uh, Deuteronomy 30 verse 11. For this commandment, this is Moses speaking on the plains of Moab before he gives over to Joshua to take them into the land. This is his last sermon, the book of Deuteronomy. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. 
Which commandment? Here it is. Here's the body of this work that I've written down that God has given me. Here's the Torah. Listen. This commandment, it's one. It's singular. You can't pick and choose. Galatians says you can't pick and choose. It's one thing. Okay? It's not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it down to us that we may hear it and do it? Thank you. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is speaking of this body of work that he's written down. This sermon that he's preached in is a summation of it. But the word is very near to you. In your mouth, you say it. We quote it. And in your heart, you love it. That you may do it. It can't just be what you say. It can't be what you think or what you, what you claim to believe. Its purpose is that you do it. If you just think it, think good thoughts, it has no purpose, no fulfillment. It is a body that's dead, as James says. It has a purpose that you do it. You can't say, well, I didn't know. No, it's in your mouth. You said it. Well, you can't say, well, it doesn't apply to me anymore. That was another dispensation. Paul's not quoting dispensations. Paul's saying, this applies. This is a big deal. This is the whole revelation of God. That you may do it. See, I have, not set, be- See, I have set before you life and death, life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments, His statutes, His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Go to John chapter 8, 31. Verse 31. And we'll stop here. John 8.31 Then Yeshua said to those Jews who believed him. Okay? Do you believe him? Here's what he said. If you abide in my word, you are my, disi- you are my disciples indeed. What is it to abide in his word? To do it. You have a purpose. It's what you're created for, to do it. Believing in God involves more than agreeing with a set of doctrinal statements. By the way, that's nothing against doctrinal statements. It's fine to say that. By the way, we believe that God is one. Right? We stand and we, and we say Shema. There's nothing wrong with saying those things. You can't stop there. Believing in God involves more than a vocalizing of a profession of faith. Raising your hand. Praying a prayer. More than that, is it not? Believing in God involves more than being immersed or circumcised or being accepted as a member of a believing community. I'm a member here. Right? Believing in God means that you have sought Him with all your heart, that you have experienced the reward of finding Him, and that you now live a life that reflects that truth. Believing God means that you find yourself completely and utterly without strength to attain right standing with Him. And seek Him to satisfy what you cannot, living your life as His in your walk, walking in the works which He has prepared beforehand for you. Believe is a verb, as we see in all these words, and it's something you do. Let's close in prayer. 
Father, we are thankful that you have done all that is necessary to bring us into relationship with you. That you have given us all that is necessary for life and godliness. Father, that you have uh, us, given us a relationship. That you've given us your Holy Spirit. That you've given us power to obey you. Lord, you simply ask that we walk in the manner which you have already walked. Father, that we respond to your love by loving you and showing that love for you in what we do. I pray for each one in this class, Father, that they may uh, walk faithfully before you as a light and testimony to those around them. But more importantly, Father, because that's what they were created to do. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. God bless you.